Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Nina. And you're listening to Slice Slice of Murder. Murder. This is episode 19. This is take two of our intro because last time Jess was like, welcome back to episode 20. Immediately after I told her it was episode 19. I just, you know, instinctly added one more. Same. I always do that. (laughs) All right. So let's start off with our highs and lows. Um, Okay. So my high was that I went to... Uh, my students volleyball game this past weekend and it was like actually a really close game like the last game that I went to they kind of won by a lot so it wasn't very like exciting exciting to watch um but this time like they won the first set and then the other team won the second set and then they only won by one on the third set so it was like it was like pretty fun and it was it's nice to see them in like a non-academic context you know yeah like, it's just I cool like to watch them do like extracurricular stuff I feel like I get to see more of their like personalities that they don't have like mm-hmm. in the classroom yeah I feel like sometimes you forget that they're a part of something else yeah too. like they have skills and like hobbies yeah so it's super cool to watch them outside of the classroom yeah. like you said so it's cool yeah. it's fun oh that's so exciting Go, can you, you can do no you do your high oh, okay my high is that this weekend we got to have a girls night <laughs> with some friends and we played games and then we had some s'mores yeah the s'mores so, yeah. are really good yeah that was i want to make those more often i'm like why don't i make these s'mores like, we should try and make week. them over <laughs> we should try and make them over the um like the of the, oh, yeah. the stove the stove yeah yeah i feel like that would work yeah they're so good yeah um my low is that it's literally freezing outside and i literally <laughs> go to work every day and i walk to work and i'm so cold and i'm it literally walking in like 43 degree weather yeah californians actually, are not used to this no it's actually so cold and i looked at the weather for next week and there's a low of 38 <gasps> Like, what? I did not sign up for that. Isn't that freezing? That is That's... extremely cold. Like, <laughs> where are we living right I now? I don't know. And it's going to rain the day before. What if it's icy? What Maybe... if it starts snowing <laughs> out of nowhere? <laughs> Today I was talking to um, a teacher at my school, Jocelyn, and we were talking about, like, what if we had a snow day? And I was like, I feel like L.A. would cancel school for, like, the tiniest amount of snow. Yeah, because can you imagine that just be... So amazing! I think they were just closing out, even because of safety, but because just like like it's, it's so cool and like never before yeah. seen. Like I was like, I feel like they probably would. She's like, no, I don't think so. Like I think it would take more than like a quarter inch. I was like, I no, like they would. I really think that they would. Yeah. So maybe that's gonna happen next week because it is raining on one day. I think on like Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna be thirty-eight degrees on Wednesday. Oh my god! Yeah, in my room in the mornings when I walk in, it's so cold, and then I've gotten several like mini panic attacks because I think my heater's not working. Oh, but then yeah. I'll just like turn it off and turn it back on, and then it works. But I'm like so nervous that it's gonna stop working. Yeah. So that's been my low. It's been terrible. Like I feel like. I'm fine with, like, a couple weeks of cold, but I feel like this has gone on for far too long. <laughs> Our winter is actually winter. 
<laughs> people are gonna be listening to the big 44 degrees like what yeah like that is pretty warm to us <laughs> yeah but i'm not happy about it yeah we're just not used to it so that was even my nina that's from new jersey yeah well because i've been living here for like three years so now you know yeah. i can't do it yeah well my low was or is that our washing machine is still broken after like two months right yes it, because it broke the week after like thanksgiving break no oh, it week it, yeah it broke the week after thanksgiving break that we came home after thanksgiving break it broke on that friday okay so that was december 2nd mm-hmm. okay that's been one two three four five six seven this friday will be two months that's so long i like, know and i know these are like such first world problems to have but it's just so inconvenient it is so inconvenient it I takes th- up so much time out of my weekend that i already don't have i know so. because you have to drive to the laundromat and then you have to wait for your clothes to be done yeah and then drive back and normally i would be doing things while my clothes are being washed here mm-hmm. but i can't do anything yeah. over there you just sit there. And I think the worst part is, I think you mentioned, is having to carry your stuff, like, in. I know. that's. Why I feel I, like I need a bigger bin. That's why I use my suitcase, <laughs> because I don't want to carry anything. I just want to roll it, and it's big enough that I can, like, fit everything in. And my suitcase, like, zips inside. So, yeah. like, I can, like, kind of separate some things, which is uh, nice. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. So... I don't know how long, how much longer we'll have. These people are quickly joining my curb stomp list, which (laughs) includes at the top of the list, the owner of 1212. Oh, all right. Yeah. (laughs) So let us know if you have any tips on how we can contact our leasing office to make them get us a washer sooner. Because right now they're currently looking, quotes, looking. I don't know what that means. I think they forgot about us. I honestly, yeah. We need to call them every day. I know. Just really blow up their phone. Yeah. Well, with that note, oh, our dessert. Oh, yes. What did you have today? Um, so I had the gluten-free cinnamon streusel muffin. It's like coffee cake. Yes. From Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. They're so good if They're you've really never good. had them. They're really good. Um, I feel like I go through phases with the muffins from Trader Joe's because I like have them and then I get obsessed with them and I have them like every day for a week and then I don't yeah then you get sick, <laughs> I get of, them. sick of them and I don't ever want them again and then like a month later I'll be like oh my god those are so good yeah. and then I have them again every day for a week so right now we're at the phase where like we haven't had them in a while yeah these are so good yeah um but that's what I'm having pretty good I would say eight out of ten yeah it's very good for, I feel like sometimes when things are marketed as being, like, gluten-free or, like, things like that, yeah, you sometimes they're know. not that good, but this one is really good. Like, it's not, I feel like it's not, it doesn't taste any different than, like, a normal one would. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah I'll give it a 9 out of 10 right now, but ask me again <laughs> in a month. <laughs> It'll be, like, a 4. Yeah. Because I've just had it every yeah. week. Yeah. Last month. 
All right, so let's get into our case for today. So we'll be covering the case of Hey Min Lee. And I just want to give a shout out to Alfredo for requesting this case back in like, I don't even know, this was last year. Yeah. It took us a, little, a while to get to it just because it's a very like heavy case, I think. There's yeah. so much information. But thank you so much for requesting it. Uh, I've learned so much and I feel like, I don't know, I can't tell you if I think that Anon is guilty or not right now. Mm -hmm. And so I want to start off with some trigger warnings first. So there will be mentions of manual strangulation and, of course, murder. Um, So I'll give a little synopsis if you've not heard of this case. So on January 13th, 1999, 18-year-old Heyman Lee was in charge of picking up her cousin after school. When she did not show, her family became worried because this was very unlike Hay, so they contacted the police. After several weeks, Hay's body was discovered in Leakin Park in West Baltimore, Maryland, and her body showed signs of manual strangulation. Adnan Syed, Hay's ex-boyfriend, was charged with Hay Min Lee's murder. And the podcast Serial by Sarah Koenig covered this case in depth from interviews with friends to interviews with Anon in 2014. The podcast brought new light to the case, having people ask themselves, was there enough evidence to convict Anon? On September 19th, 2022, after serving 23 years in prison, Sied was freed. Prosecutors dropped all the charges against him, and so now we're asking ourselves, did prosecutors have the wrong guy all along for, like, 23 Mm -hmm. years? And if they did, then who is responsible for Heyman Lee's murder? Or did they have the right guy and set him free? So something interesting about this case, um, Anand Syed was actually part of Georgetown's prison justice initiative so he worked with like a lot of um people in prison to kind of like further their education and he was like a big part of that because georgetown does a lot of that with like the prisons and jails close by so he was part of that i think he got his like honorary degree from georgetown yeah, I was yeah. gonna mention that yeah. I saw something about that. I yeah. thought it was recent, but you said he worked with that over the years. Um, the like the prison justice initiative is pretty recent, so I think he was only working with it like up until the time that he was released, like yeah. the first it was couple last years. Year. Yeah, the like the couple years before he was released, because I think it's pretty recent. But I think he's still working with it after his release. Yeah, because yeah. I just saw like after his release that he started to yeah. work with them. So. Because like That's I think so he got it like while he was in prison. Like he was benefited by the like PJI. Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So in this episode we will be talking about a little bit of background about Hay and then Anon as well as their relationship. And this will be a two-parter, so just because there's so much information, mm-hmm. um, I listened to like ten episodes of the serial podcast, and there are still more like yeah. to be listened to. 
because there's so much information, so many interviews in there. So if you want, like, the in-depth, like, overview of this mm-hmm. case, like, go and check out that podcast. We're only going to do two episodes. So I'll start off with Heyman Lee. So she was born on October 15th, 1980 in Korea. She immigrated to the U.S. with her mother and her brother in 1992 to live with her grandparents. Lee attended Woodlawn High School near Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, She was part of the magnet program there where she was with the same group of about 25 students for all periods. So this is kind of advanced courses. That included, like, college courses or, like, AP classes. And students had to apply to be admitted into the magnet program. And students here were known to act as if they were, like, better than the rest of the students mm-hmm. who were not part of the magnet program. I think they it's kind of like a clique, I would say. Yeah. And if you're together with the same 25 kids all day, you know, I could see how that kind of starts to happen. Yeah. Because you're not really interacting with anybody else. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can just, I'm sure this did not happen there, but I feel like that would cause so many fights. Like, I feel like drama would start and there would just be so many fights within them, you know? That's just what I feel like would happen. Yeah, because they're so close. They're almost like family. Yeah, but maybe I'm just thinking in a middle school situation. Like, I just feel like sometimes middle schoolers are more dramatic than the rest. Oh, trust me. You do not know high schoolers. (laughs) They can be quite dramatic. Um, So, but like I said, they might have acted like they're better than the rest, Mm -hmm. but not hey. Many said she was very kind. She was also involved in lacrosse, wrestling, and field hockey. She was very athletic. And this is a quote from one of Hayes' former teammates. Watching her flip between defenders was watching a pure expression of grace and speed. We all bobbed and weaved, but she danced. She made every play look like it was choreographed. I would say that she loved lacrosse, but it would just be as true to say she loved everything. She loved life and explored everything with the same verb. And she was hell-bent on bringing you along for the ride. I can't really even remember what she looks like without a huge grin on her face. I always have so much respect for people that are so good at that kind of sport because I am probably like the least hand-eye coordinated person ever. Like, I find it so fascinating when people um, just have so much control over their, like, whatever, you know, in lacrosse they use, like, the stick, and then in field hockey they use Mm -hmm. the stick also, but, like, I don't even know how you do that, and, like, I don't know, that just always fascinates me when people are so good at a sport like that. Yeah, it sounds like she made it look easy, just in the way this teammate describes it, like, she was so beautiful on the field, just, like, gracefully... Yeah. You know, playing on the field. And I feel like the people who always make it look easy are, like, always the best at what, at, like, yeah. the, the things that they do, you know? Agreed. And Hay was very outgoing. Ralph Graham, the athletic director, said that there were no words to describe Hay's smile. And he remembered that she would often burst into off-key singing. Totally relatable. La- Literally every single day. <laughs> you just you can't help yourself sometimes yeah honestly like it's just a um it's it's just something you gotta do sometimes you just gotta let it out 
Yeah. And she'd often tell jokes that people said were not even funny, but they would crack her up, which made it even funnier for everyone else. That's relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I laugh at my own jokes all the time, even though they're not funny. I feel like I just say the dumbest things, and they're definitely not funny, and nobody else is laughing, but I'm laughing. Yeah. So many described her as very outgoing, even though, you know, she immigrated mm-hmm. to the U.S. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Just, like, moving to a new country. Uh-huh. A lot of people can become shy. Mm-hmm. But not hey, like she's very outgoing, had a lot of friends. Yeah, that's really impressive, I think. You really have to work to get there. Like, I feel like you really have to work on your confidence and you have to really work on doing the like outreach to other people. Like, it's not, I feel like it's not just something that happens by accident. So it sounded like she made a real effort to kind of put herself out there and make friends yeah because she was about 12 when she came to the u.s which is pretty late like it's not like you know that's not like she came to the u.s when she was two or three when she wouldn't have a lot of memories Mm -hmm. of like her place of birth but like 12 is pretty late like Mm -hmm. that would be really really hard i think yeah (laughs) that would be really hard because even me like i immigrated when i was six Mm mm-hmm and I feel like it, I could adjust easily. Yeah. Because it was first grade, right. you know? And it was like everybody's coming in yeah. at that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I can't even imagine, though. It's like I, I think I was too. just very... I loved school. Yeah. And not everyone's like that. Yeah. Because so. that's like middle school, too. Like, it's hard enough to do mm-hmm. middle school without being from a different country. Like, I can't even imagine how hard it is to interact with people around you. And you're, like, you just got to the United States. Yeah. And she also worked as a sales team member at Lens Crafters. Wow. Yeah. So she did everything. Yeah, she had a job, you know, extracurriculars. Mm -hmm. She was also a part of a lot of clubs as well. Mm -hmm. So this is just a little bit of what she was involved in. And she also kept a diary, which is available for anyone to read, and it gave great insight into who Heyman Lee was, which I think is, like, super cool. Yeah. That, like, we're able to read it now and just, like, get to Mm -hmm. see what her personality was like. Right. And we'll we'll get to hear some experts from there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Hay starts her diary with the warning page. She states to read at your own risk because you may feel angry, sad, happy, mad, or and cry. Her entries were written like very mm-hmm. like artistically, almost as if she was talking to someone mm-hmm. or like expecting someone to read it. Right. Like, it just was this like, part where she says like, "Beware." Right. It was like to somebody, like mm-hmm. a letter almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so her first entry starts on April third, nineteen ninety eight. And in her diary, Hay starts to immediately mention this guy, Adnan. And she compares him to her ex, saying he is so much better and like all the great things that Adnan is doing and how sweet Adnan is. Uh, but actually, Adnan and Hay were both forbidden to date. Hay had pretty strict par- parents, and Adnan also had pretty strict mm-hmm. parents. 
and we'll hear a little bit more about Anon. So Anon was described as tall, dark, and handsome. He was over six feet tall, and he was the same age as Hay at the time. They were both 17 mm-hmm. when they met. He played football and track, so he was also pretty involved in athletics, mm-hmm. and they were part of the same magnet program. So again, like they spent a lot of time to like with each other. Yeah, yeah. that's how they met. Yeah. So I feel like it's inevitable. Like someone's gonna date. Oh, that's what I'm saying. There's so much drama. Yeah. Like there's probably multiple people dating within that group. <laughs> yeah. And he also worked as an EMT after school. So just yeah. like hey, I feel like he was pretty involved in a lot right. of things. Yeah. That is a lot of things to be involved in. Multiple sports and school. Work. Working. They're probably, I mean, you said that she's part of, like, multiple clubs. Like, Mm -hmm. he's probably part of clubs, too. Like, I feel like this is a pretty competitive group, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff to be involved in. I literally come home from teaching, and I'm like, sorry, you can't do it. Oh, I'm doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And we do yoga, but, yeah, I feel like I I did more in high school. Yeah, I definitely (laughs) did more in high school. I had more energy back then. Yeah. Now it's all gone. (laughs) So he was also popular and confident. He got along with pretty much everyone. He was born in the U.S., but his family was from Pakistan. So he came from a Muslim household. So this kind of tells you why his family was so strict Mm -hmm. with him. So the strict rules included no dating. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't allowed to, you know, hang out with any girls. Mm -hmm. They believe, like, you have to be married mm-hmm. in order to be um, dating some, mm-hmm. not dating, but no, in like order dating to be with, yeah. marry, like, you should only be, like, dating somebody if your intention is to get married to them, yeah. you know? Like, that's almost a process in the marriage process, mm-hmm. is, like, going on dates. Yeah, but Adnan, just, like... Most teenagers did not follow the, the yeah, rules I can't that his imagine, parents set for him. I can't imagine that that went very well. Also, when somebody tells you not to do something, I feel like the immediate reaction of teenagers is to do that thing. Yeah, you want to like, do more. If somebody tells you not to do a specific thing, your kid is going to turn around and do that thing. Yeah. Like, nine times out of ten. Like, have you seen that quote, like, strict parents just make sneaky kids? Yeah, and I really believe <laughs> I, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I believe that too. Yeah, because, like, your kid is not going to not do it. They're just going to get better at, at sneaking, at sneaking around. around. They're just going to get better at, like, not letting you know that they did it, you know? Yeah. I just feel like asking someone not to date or, like, that's, like, pretty tough for high schoolers. Yeah, I agree. Like, what, I mean, I guess it is... Um, against like their personal religious beliefs but it is i feel like it's something that they're going it's like they're gonna have those feelings anyway mm-hmm. you know they're gonna want they're they're gonna be into somebody anyway so i feel like just banning it outright is not really solving the problem like you're just creating a bigger issue because like then they're gonna have nobody to talk to about it and then they're gonna definitely yeah. do it in secret and then something like, you know, they're just going to have a lot of emotional things, I think, mm-hmm. going on that, like, then yeah, nobody's going to even know about. Like, yeah. Yeah, so he was dating around, and he also smoked weed. But he was still able to keep good grades. Yeah. So, I feel like his parents did not notice mm-hmm. at the beginning. And he was 
like I said, also part of the magnet program mm-hmm. where he met Hay. And they started off sending notes to each other until one day he asked her to, out to prom. Oh. Yeah, so a little bit more about Hay and Anon's relationship. So they attended prom together. Anon actually won prom prince. So this just shows how popular he was, mm-hmm. like, at his high school. Mm-hmm. And prom princess, it mm-hmm. was Stephanie, who, like, Anon knew. And Tay writes in her diary, traditionally, they were supposed to dance together to my song, Casey and JoJo's All My Life. I tried to act natural, but it kind of bothered me. Ten seconds later, guess who danced with me? And not with Stephanie. Adnan, now he, he can, he can I not fall in, how can I not fall in love with this guy? Of course, I gave him his first kiss on the lips. Oh, that's like, just that like. That sounds out of a movie. I know. I feel like that is just something, you know, a lot of guys would not be smart enough to um, realize, like, that that is something, you know, that they should go do. Like, they'd be like, oh, well, this is, like, something that happens every year. Like, yeah, I, like was, I have to dance, I have with, to dance her. with her. But that is really going above and beyond. Yeah, like, he just pulls her, like, yeah. to the dance floor. And just to do it while they're playing her song, mm-hmm. I think it's even more meaningful to yeah. her. So, that's super cute. But their relationship was just like any other typical high school relationship. They were often on and off. Mm-hmm. You know, they had small fights and then like would break up. Yes. Um, Adnan would give Hay flowers. And once he gave her a rose in front of the whole class. And Hay described that she kissed him. And they had this whole moment like in the middle of class see lots of drama lots of drama (laughs) dude and i could not even get my class under control if something happens like that like it would be chaos for the rest of class (laughs) for the rest of the week literally (laughs) wait that reminds me actually today i saw a student one of my students he had this huge like i would say like 24 rose bouquet with like a sign i think said like will you be my girlfriend and i kind of wanted to peek and see like who is he gonna give it to but I am not excited for Valentine's Day because they all show up with, like, 50 roses. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know where they get these roses. But they show up with, like, these 50 roses and these huge stuffed animal bears. Like, it's, like, chaos. And then they're all walking around the school. With these, like, gigantic And then somebody always gives flowers to somebody that they're not supposed to be giving flowers to. Like, somebody else's girlfriend. That's not good. (laughs) So... Something always happens. It's just always very dramatic. But this, in the middle of class, very dramatic. Yeah. I don't know if it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, so later after this whole thing happened, Hay um, wrote in her diary, I love him in all caps. And they wrote each other love letters. They would even sneak out of the house and rent motel rooms. They were sneaking around, yeah, sneaky see? kids. Yeah. Whereas I'm sure, I mean, if their parents had let them date, like, they probably would have been a little bit safer about the places that were they're hanging out in. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah. they probably would have hung out at each other's houses. Like, I think that's a little bit yeah. safer than 
going to like random motel rooms like i just think that i mean it's going to happen so i feel like you should be like make Mm -hmm. as safe as a as possible like a space for your kid you know yeah it's like i don't know I guess we'll see once we're parents. Is, is it really that, that I know. easy? Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of parents would not allow that. Yeah. Like, but they're like now. 17, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like I would let my kid hang out with their significant other yeah. at our house. That's, yeah, you're right. That's better than them going yeah. somewhere else. I agree, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So I'm going to read an entry from a time when Hay and Adnan had broken up. So May 15th, she wrote, I did it. Me and Adnan are officially on recess week or timeout. I don't know what's going to happen to us, although I'm in love with him. I don't know about him. He actually suggests that what we have is like not love. I heard the doubt in his voice, although he couldn't pick up mine. I felt the same way. I like him. No, I love him. It's just all the things that stand in the middle. This is kind of where she talks about, like, their bigger issues. Mm -hmm. That I feel like maybe not many high school relationships Mm -hmm. have. And she says, his religion and Muslim customs all are in the way. It irks me to know that I'm against his religion. He calls me a devil a few times. I knew he was only joking, but it's somewhat true. I hate that. It's like making him choose between me and his religion. And she's like listing mm-hmm. things. The second thing is the pos- possessiveness. And this is important because they kind of use this entry later in mm-hmm. trial mm-hmm. to kind of say like, this is why we think. Right. Or like kind of points like Anon is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. She says the second thing is the possessiveness, independence rather. I'm a very independent person. I rarely rely on my parents. Although I love him, it's not like I need him. I know I'll do just fine without him. I need time for myself and my friends other than him. How dare he get mad at me for planning to hang out with with Leisha. The third thing is the mind play. I've matured out of my jealous jealousy shit. I don't get jealous over trying to get him jealous as a fool. Him trying to get me jealous is a fool because I'll definitely lose him. I prefer a straight relationship that doesn't get in people mixed up just because he wanted to play mind games. Mm -hmm. And the final fourth thing is nothing because I do love him. It's just all the shitty things that are messing with my mind. I'm just too confused. If I don't take the time to set things straight, the whole thing will blow up in my head, making me mad and do something I'll regret forever. That's why I need the time out. I just hope I don't lose him because of this. I love him. When I hold him, I want it to be forever. I feel secure and comfy with him. And she just kind of talks about Mm -hmm. that. She sounds very mature for, like, a high schooler. Yeah. Because I feel like the whole idea of being super possessive over somebody is a very, like, immature way to think about a relationship. You know? Like, I feel like that is more of something that you see like in high school relationships like people getting jealous over them hanging out with their friends like or people getting jealous over them having like a friend who is like you know 
the opposite gender and like they're always like oh well you must be into them because like yeah you know things like that but she sounds like she is very above it all like that's very that's really impressive yeah and she's kind of saying like he's possessive Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the opposite saying you know yeah she's matured but but he's not him yeah yeah i feel like i don't know if that is evidence enough to like suggest that he had something to do with it because i do feel like that is a very common thing that high schoolers do mm-hmm. like very common and trust me yeah yeah very common. like that i feel like she is of the rare minority that is like not super possessive and jealous like i feel like you have you just grow out of that as you get older but i yeah, like, it's so exhausting just watching, like, some of the high schoolers like, get mad at yeah. each other because they're talking to a boy in class. I'm like... It's, like, the smallest things that you get mad over. He was I'm just like, talking? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Like, it's the tiniest things that yeah. they get mad over. Yeah. So... So, yeah, she's very... I mean, mature. it is definitely a barrier in relationship. Like, it's definitely, like, a big thing, especially mm-hmm. if you're maturing out of it and you're kind of growing out of it and your boyfriend's still saying, like, like stuck in that mindset that definitely is i think a cause to be like oh well we're growing apart like you know let's take a break or whatever like let's come back to it yeah i don't think it's like damning evidence yeah you know against him though it sounds like she still very much loves him like she just needs a little break right it's just like i don't want to lose him yeah yeah and Aisha Hayes' best friend at the time later says that it was known that Adnan was trying to show up uninvited to Hayes' girls' nights. And this is kind of what she meant mm-hmm. with the whole possessiveness things is that he would often show up, like, uninvited and just pop in and say hi, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And she just wanted to have a girls' night, like, not yeah. have him there. Yeah. And Aisha said, like, he often annoyed me because of this. Yeah, that would be annoying. Because maybe at first it's like, oh, like, it's mm-hmm. cute that he's visiting his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, why is he here again? Yeah, yeah, that would annoy me. Yeah. That is annoying. Especially if, like, Aisha's, like, not friends with Adnan. Right. Like, and, you were not yeah. invited to this girl's name. Yeah, that would annoy me. <laughs> but then again, like, I don't know, would you say that's possessive or that's also, like, very high school? I mean, I feel like both, like, you know, it is definitely really possessive, but I feel like it's really in the mindset of high schoolers to do that and be like, no, like, we have to hang out every single night. Like, we have to be together at all yeah. times. Like, I feel like that it's like, they can both be the same thing, mm-hmm. I think. And I feel like some people grow out of that and some people don't grow out of that. Yeah. Hopefully he did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then later, like, she continues to write about the whole religion being mm-hmm. an issue. And she says, he told me his religion means life to him. He tried to remain a faithful Muslim all of his life, but he fell in love with me, which is a great sin. But he told me there's no way he'll ever leave me because he can't imagine a life without me. Then he said that one day he would have to choose between me and his religion. I love him so much, but when it comes to choosing, I'm going to let him go his way. If you have to deny yourself a part of you for love, that's not good. I really couldn't care less since my religion doesn't mean shit to me. But to him, his religion guides him his life. I hate the fact that I'm the cause of his sin. I shouldn't feel like I'm pulling him from his religion. 
but hello, that's exactly what I'm doing. I don't know. We'll live through this, but this is bad. Now I'm going to anticipate the day when things come to an end. That is really hard to deal with. Yeah. Like, that is really challenging to have to, like, be thinking about. Like, one day he'll have to choose between right. me and his religion. Right. Like, this is how you know she's, like, very mature. She is. she's already and, thinking of the future. Right. And then she's like, you know, it's okay if he chooses his religion over me because this is part of his values and his morals. And obviously that should come above, mm-hmm. like, a partner. And I just feel like that is not something that everybody can kind of, like, take on the chin so easily. Like, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, no, like, I should come above, like, whatever. Like, if we're together, like, we could get through anything. Mm -hmm. But, like, I feel like she is acknowledging that this is a super important part of him and that that should be respected, like, just as much, if not more, than their relationship. Yeah, like, even though he's telling her, like, it's going to be okay, she's mm-hmm. like, no, you can't deny yourself this right. part of yourself. Again, like, I feel like she just sounds like the mature one in the relationship. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, these are the realistic issues that we're facing. And, I mean, obviously, he's, it must be super hard for him as well, but I feel like from her diary entries, it kind of sounds like he's trying to, like, push it off and being like, no, no, like, well talk about it later like we don't have to like think about it now like i'll never leave you or whatever but she's kind of like no well i mean it's gonna have like something's gonna have to happen at one point like yeah whether they deal with it now or they right. deal with it later like, that's gonna like, what happen. She's thinking yeah but later anon after anon reads this journal entry mm-hmm. and is interviewed by sarah Cohen. he told her when he read the diary he realized hey had taken this like too far and that what he was saying, he was almost joking mm-hmm. and said that he wasn't even that religious. Because like I said before, he was like, he would like date around mm-hmm. and, you know, smoke. And he, if he said it, it was as a joke. Like he didn't realize to the extent mm-hmm. that she took it. Yeah. But maybe he like joked about it a lot or yeah. almost, you know. Also real those kinds of conversations i feel like are very hard to have like conversations about religion are very hard to have so if she was not comfortable like asking more in-depth questions about that kind of thing and like having a conversation about it where they actually talked like back and forth um about like religion and their future and like what that meant i feel like she very easily could have heard it heard the joke and like been too uncomfortable to like start a conversation and be like oh do you really mean that or yeah that's is true. it this because i feel like that is a very touchy subject for some people like religion is a very touchy subject for some people and it's definitely hard to kind of have that conversation especially at that age like at the age of like 17 18 like that's a tough Thing to bring up with somebody else yeah especially since she mentioned like my religion means shit to me right you know like having someone that is so into their religion mm-hmm. is probably very different for her mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i think that's a great point that you made is saying she wasn't comfortable about talking mm-hmm. about it in the moment so her outlet was her diary and this mm-hmm. is where like her feelings spilled out. Yeah, and I feel like you can, if you don't talk to your significant other about things, I feel like it's so easy to start overthinking it and, like, make something even bigger than what it mm-hmm. originally was, you yeah. know? Like, 
It can be on, like, two completely different pages. Yeah, and, like, a simple comment could turn into something totally different if you only think about it, like, in your own head Mm -hmm. and, like, you only have yourself to kind of, like, write to and you only have yourself to kind of, like, you come up with these, like, crazy scenarios, but, like, the other person could literally just have said something, like, the wrong way and they could not even be thinking about it, you know? So... Yeah, because I feel like I'm guilty about, like, joking about things like that. Yeah. And then I don't realize, like, how can how they can be taken yeah. sometimes. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I, sh- I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. So. So, I feel that. And then, so, seven months later, in October, during the homecoming dance, so they've already been dating for seven months on and off, which is pretty long for a high school relationship. Yeah, that is. So they were both going to the homecoming dance, but Anand's parents found out that he was attending the dance with, hey, a girl. Like, he was not supposed mm-hmm. to be dating anyone. So they actually showed up at the dance and made, like, a whole scene. Can you imagine that? Mm. That is so... Like, I'd be so embarrassed. I would be Never so embarrassed. Literally. And it's like... That is one way to make sure I feel like your kid does not, like, share anything with you. Because, like, the one time you're doing something, like, it's, he's going to a dance with a girl. Like, it's not that, like, it's yeah. not that crazy. That doesn't even mean they're dating, I feel like. Like, he can't even, like, go to a, a, mm-hmm. a dance. Like, that just could mean they're going as friends, you know? Like, yeah. it doesn't have anything. It could also not mean that they're dating, but... Oh my god, I'd be so embarrassed. I'd be so mad. I would be so mad. I know, and imagine also being hey, like I'd be petrified. Right, because this is somebody that you love and you want their parents to like you. Like you want their parents to, you know, I mean, even if you don't see any way that you guys could have like a future together, you obviously can't be like, um, like have a relationship that's like open to them, you know, right now. Like you still like, want to think that their parents would like you and then now it's like I feel like after this it's like oh well now they're never gonna like me like there's no hope that they're ever gonna like me yeah yeah so and the parents found out through like other people because there are other people that were Muslim out of his school Mm -hmm. and I think just like word spread around you know those snitches yeah it's like someone told a friend and they probably told the parents and the parents told his parents like, I am glad, like, I did not really have people, like, other parents that my parents do. And yeah. Stuff. It wasn't up to anything bad, but... <laughs> still. Yeah. Uh, you want them all up in your business? Yeah. This is... Like, why are you talking about me in my high school life? That's fan behavior. <laughs> so later when Anand tells his friend what happened at homecoming... So his friend asked, what happened at your homecoming? And he's like, you're not going to believe this. And they're like, what? And he says, my mom and my dad showed up. And they're like, what? And then he said word that they were dying laughing on the phone about this later when his friend was interviewed. Mm-hmm. And said, you know, you know, this is our world. And then after he asked what happened, Anon was like, they showed up and made me leave and everyone saw it how like literally literally my parents pulled me out of this relationship that is so embarrassing and apparently they also talked to hey yeah like that's what i feel like kind of thing like i feel so bad for her because you know like 
that she was probably feeling so embarrassed, like, because her date was getting yelled at or, like, being pulled out of the gym. And they'll be like, and you, like, you know, obviously... you who's dating my son. Right, like, obviously part of the blame is going to go on to her, which it shouldn't, like, but obviously it's going to. And that just must be so bad on all levels. But I'm glad they were able to laugh about it after. I, I do feel like it's something that you look back on, like, 10 years later and be like oh my god remember when that happened like it must be like the worst thing ever in the moment but like I do feel like it would be like a funny story to Mm -hmm. tell like with your friends like bro remember when you got yanked at the gym by your parents like that was so embarrassing yeah yeah I do feel like that's something (laughs) that you're not battling later and then after this happened I feel like hey and Anand's relationship kind of shifted a little bit Mm -hmm. Is I think now it's more of a reality, like, mm-hmm. oh, like, maybe we can't date, or, like, his parents think I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. So, on December 6, 1998, they broke up officially, and Hay kind of shows how her interest transitioned from talking about Anon to now talking about Don. And Anon says even after they broke up that he kept being the same. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't really show any, like, resentment, mm-hmm. resentment or anger. And he was just doing the same things that went against his religion. So, because mm-hmm. some people argued that, like, she, hey, was the problem, and, mm-hmm. like, against his religion. But even after, he was the same. Right. Like, know? if you're going to do what you're going to do, it's not because of somebody else. Yeah. It's gonna, you're going to do what you want to do because, like, you want to do it. It's mm-hmm. not going to be somebody else that's, like causing you to do something yeah yeah and so dawn was her 22 year old co-worker at lens crafters Mm -hmm. and dawn was known as tall and blue-eyed she writes in her diary i love him talking about anon but saying but i love dawn too like Mm -hmm. so she was kind of like still thinking about anon but also now like Falling for Don. Well, I feel like it's tough because it's like Don was clearly her first love, and like that, I feel like is so strong. Sometimes when you're that age, like you definitely still get hung up about them. Like even though you might have somebody else new in your life, you're still probably gonna be thinking about them. Yeah. Like it just that I feel like that kind of bond like is very hard to break away from. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And. So on January 1st, 1999, Hay and Don went on their first date. So Don happens to be the son of the store manager at Lenscrafter. Mm-hmm. And she wrote in her diary that day, he was such a gentleman and down to earth and that she was falling for him. Through all of this, friends described her and Adnan, um like as still very cordial with each mm-hmm. other. Even after they broke up. Yeah. And her last entry in her diary was on January 12th, 1999. This was the day right before she was murdered. Mm -hmm. And in her diary, she wrote, I love you, Dawn. I think I have found my soulmate. I love you so much. I fell in love with you the moment I opened my eyes to see you in the break room for the first time. So she Best. is now very in love with Dawn and thinks, like, this is her uh-huh. soulmate. In the break room. That's cute. <laughs> you, know, you never know when it's going to happen. You truly never do know when it's going to happen. You can be at work 
before you meet the person. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, this was the day right before mm-hmm. she went missing. And so on January 13th, 1999, Hay told friends that she had to go pick up her little cousin after school, then meet Dawn at the mall. School ended at around 2.15, and she did not show up to pick up her little cousin. This was when her family started to get worried, as this was very unlike Hay. Mm -hmm. She was usually very responsible and would not leave her cousin like that. Mm -hmm. So they contacted the police, and originally the police didn't take it, like, super serious because she was 18 at Mm -hmm. this time. She had her own car. Mm -hmm. So, like, we already know what how they treat like missing yeah. people yeah yeah i think it's like a runaway even if that doesn't seem to be the case it'll still right. or they'll just be like oh she's not probably maybe not even running away maybe she just go- wanted to go do something with her friends like maybe she just wanted to go do something with yeah her new boyfriend like you know i feel like when you look at a teenager that's been gone for a few hours even if it's the most responsible teenager, a lot of people will play it down and be like, oh, you know, this is just how they act. Mm-hmm. So, but the police that day, they did call around, like, hospitals, hotels, and motels, like, mm-hmm. just checking around the high school. Mm-hmm. And they also start asking their friends questions. They called Anon, Don, and Asia asking them if they'd seen her that day or know where she was. Okay. So they all said no, they did not know Mm -hmm. where she was. So, on February 9th, Heyman Lee's body was found in Leakin Park. So this was about a month later. Mm -hmm. And so this guy, Mr. S, was a maintenance worker who was driving by the area when he needed to make a pit stop, quote, I had to go to the bathroom, so I pulled over and I went further in the woods so no one could see me. Mr. S was on his lunch break driving to his house to pick some tools up. He said he was drinking a Budweiser while driving, which is why he had to make the pit stop. You know, just I casually, don't... that's just what you do. <laughs> I don't know why you admit that. Right? Like... He just said it so openly. Like, I feel like you could say you're drinking anything. Yeah. But, so he admitted to that. Okay. And we'll find a little bit more about him mm-hmm. later okay. in the second episode. Because he is a suspect at some point. Mm-hmm. And he says, I walked around through the bushes and everything, and I got back that way. And I was getting ready to urinate when I looked down. I seen something that looked like hair. Something was covered by the dirt. And I looked real good again, and that's when I seen what looked like a foot. That must be so scary. To yeah. just randomly stumble across um, that in the woods. That must be so scary. Yeah, like when you're just going to, like, you know, go take a leak. <laughs> Like, you're, this is not what you're expecting to find. Yeah, yeah, that just, I don't know, that is really scary. But actually, this park was known for, like, their dead bodies. Oh, so it was... So a lot of, bo- yeah. like, dead bodies have been discovered here. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just, like, I guess, a dumping Right. Park. 
Right. Which is so odd. I'm almost like, shouldn't you have, I don't know, cameras are then if it's right. if it, for this? If it is something that's a problem, maybe it should be a little bit more surveilled, better surveilled. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And so Hay's body was found in the woods, buried in a shallow grave, and with the hair, right foot, left knee, and left hip partially exposed. The body was on the right side. The body had, was already decomposed with mold growth noted on the skin. And then they also noticed that the white jacket she was wearing was unbuttoned, along with like her skirt and bra were partly pulled up and mm-hmm. exposing both of her breasts and... Her pantyhose had prominent defects on the knees, and the skirt was pulled up at the level of the buttocks. So, after that, on February 12th, 1999, the police received an anonymous call to inform police to look into Adnan. Okay. So, the Baltimore police detective, Daryl, Mazum received two anonymous phone calls telling him to look into Lee's ex-boyfriend as a possible suspect. I feel like they should be doing that anyway. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they were planning on doing it or if they just started, if they just were going to investigate him after well, they did. the calls happened. But I feel like that's always the first person you should clear in any case mm-hmm. is like yeah, the, the ex-boyfriend or the boyfriend, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like that is just a smart move to make mm-hmm. no matter what and i think they were going to mm-hmm. look into him and probably don as well mm-hmm. but this anonymous call just kind of pushed them to be more right. curious and to talk to him so the police were kind of like like who just called they're trying to call him back mm-hmm. and then a few minutes later the caller called them again and said, oh, I remember that a year ago a nun made this comment saying if he ever hurt his girlfriend, he would drive her car into a lake. Like, that is very specific, like, information to remember. To just remember afterwards, three minutes after you made that call before. Yeah. And just to remember a year later. Right. Like, it's, like, you would think that if, something happened to her you would say oh that's really weird because a year ago somebody like her ex-boyfriend said this i feel like it would be like much less likely for you to be like oh you should check out this guy non and then mm-hmm. be like, and then just go about your day and be like oh and i just remembered that you know a year ago this happened yeah it's a little odd and then no one has ever able to figure out who this caller mm-hmm. was up to this day i feel like that's important like i do think having anonymous tip lines is very necessary for an investigation because it allows people to talk who might have not talked before like in the ted bundy case you know it was like they set up anonymous tip lines and that kind of allowed um his girlfriend to like come forward and be like, you know, I feel a little bit more confident saying it now. She, I think she did eventually tell them it was her that was making this report. But I think that, you know, just not having your name like splashed out everywhere in the media, I think is very important for certain cases to be solved. Yeah. Like you definitely need them, but it's also like, if it's anonymous, 
people are like shitty people and just want to be involved in any part of cases that they can find. And it is so easy for people to call in and be like, I know this whole case. Like I heard this person say this and I heard this person say this and I heard this person say this. Like, I can tell you this is true. Like, and if it's anonymous, you really have no way to verify that that information is true. And now you have that in your head. And you're going to be thinking about that information, mm-hmm. even if it's not entirely yeah, true. Yeah, so it plants a seed into their mm-hmm. head, and police officers, like, take this and kind of, like, run with it. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for Hayes' car. It was still mm-hmm. missing. So now that he said, oh, it's, like, in a lake, they're like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. it is in a lake. So they look further into Adnan, and they got his cell phone records. And his call log showed that he made 34 calls that day. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of calls. It I is probably a lot of have calls. like zero calls most days. <laughs> but it's also because I, that time texting wasn't a thing. I yeah, so really back think. then. So it's like, yeah. that's how you kind of got in contact with people. Yeah, it's just so crazy now. It that is. We're not Imagine used to talking calling. on the phone, like calling somebody 30, like calling different people 34 times. No, I can't. That's a lot. Some people prefer that over text. Yeah, I do not. Which I get, but I'm like, like then people are gonna think I'm weird if I like start Just calling them. Up, like, hey. Yeah. But one person was called six times that day, and that was Jennifer P. She was a friend of Jay's, which will come in mm-hmm. to the story, but not a friend of Anon's. So it's like a friend of a friend. Yeah, which okay. is, like, then kind of odd. Right. And why, then is, why he is he calling, calling her, her so much that day? So they look into Jen, and Jen testifies on February 27th. Originally, she says, like, oh, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. But then later it's like, okay, like, kind of like, I'll tell mm-hmm. you everything I know. So Jen testifies that her friend Jay told her that a non killed Hay. And when asked why, she says it's because Hay broke Anon's heart, which is kind of like the narrative Mm -hmm. that they're going with. Mm -hmm. And she then describes Hay was strangled and that Jay saw her in the trunk of Anon's car um, when she was deceased. So on February 28th, then police go talk to Jay. So Jay originally tells them nothing. But then says, okay, I'll come clean. So kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. that Jennifer did. And he actually tells police where Hay's car is. And he, Jade takes the police to the car Mm -hmm. and And it's there. there. So he knows exactly where the car is. Mm -hmm. Which the car was in a residential area on a grassy hill. So it's not in a lake. The car was not in a lake. Oh, not in a lake, yes. So, which also makes then that caller... I guess more credible, wouldn't you think? Like, why would they just share that? That it the, was being found like in a lake somewhere. Yeah, I feel like it was just. Remembers. I feel like it was just somebody trying to like He's, be like, involved. Yeah, like not even like mess with them and try and like lead them off the tracks. I just feel like it was probably somebody that was like just wanted to be involved, you know? Yeah. Because I feel like in a lot of cases nowadays, like you'll bring in psychics and the psychic will be like, oh, I Mm -hmm. saw this person's like 
they are in this river, you know? And then it's like everybody goes to that river and then there's a whole big deal. You know, like I just feel like it was somebody wanting to be involved with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it makes more sense. Because yeah. I'm just thinking like who in their right of mind would just call and say yeah. that? But I guess like there's someone a, who wants to be involved. There's would a lot do of that. like crazy people in the world, you know, they just like want to be part of something, especially if it's getting media attention. Yeah. They will want to be part of it. Yeah, agreed. So Jay says, okay, I'll come clean. He tells him where the car is. And then within a few hours, they have a warrant for Adnan's arrest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who don't think Adnan is guilty, Mm -hmm. they question like, what, like, how did Jay know where the car was? Right. How did he have all of, like, this information that will go over, like, the timeline? Mm-hmm. And then if there were only acquaintances, like he and Anon, why did he call Jay for his help? Right. Like, I would think that's not the first person that he would go to. Mm-hmm. Unless Jay had made himself be like the one to go to in case of something like that which i feel like should show you jay is like a pretty shady guy like if you're calling somebody for help with that kind of person like with that kind of thing you you must believe that this kind of person is capable of like covering that up you know exactly so i feel like it doesn't really paint him as a very credible person or a person to trust Mm -hmm. because that is weird like you would think you'd call, like, your ride-or-die, like, person, you know, like, the person that knows you the best and whatever. Yeah, because this is a murder. Like, mm-hmm. you're not just going to call anyone. Right. If you don't want to get caught, yeah. I think. Yeah. And these are just some of the questions that we'll be discussing in part two. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to leave you there. And next time we'll talk about who is Jay Wilde's. What was his confession? What was his timeline of events? Mm -hmm. And how they ended up changing a few times. Okay. Like, where they went ended up changing. You know, did he collaborate with the police? Mm -hmm. Right. To convict Adnan, or was this the truth? Like, Uh why would someone just confess to this? Right. Risking jail time. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited for next week. Me too. I'm excited to talk more about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of the theories too. Okay. There's just so much. Yeah, I know. I feel like this is like a big case, like a big information heavy case. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I have seen the serial, I haven't listened to the serial podcast, but like, I feel like that they only do cases that are like big information heavy cases. And they usually do a really good job with it, but like Mm -hmm. this one definitely is. Yeah. Yes. So, and I just want to make sure I get most of that information. Just yeah. Just to make sure you have the. Yeah. Unbiased. I guess it's impossible to be unbiased, but. Yeah. The most unbiased. Information. Information to kind of make a. Your own decision about your own things. Decision yeah. And see. Like, I don't know. Do you think Adon did it? Yeah. All right. I'm still. I can't sleep because of this. <laughs> right well i guess we will see you next week yes with part two yeah bye everyone bye thanks for listening